Welcome to the Cold Pizza Party Podcast. My name's Lubitsa. And I'm Adam. And this is a podcast that we make about politics and TV. Mm-hmm. It's a bespoke podcast that we make <laughs> for a select so, group yeah. of people. Um, but, uh, yeah, basically we uh, like to examine the ideology underlying TV and the politics that drive mm-hmm storylines and uh we also like to just talk about our interest which is politics sometimes conspiracy theories yeah but always with a political yeah kind of lens fashion yeah yeah because everything is politics so i mean that that, that was kind of a cop-out on our part to say we're going to talk about politics because really we could pretty much fit anything in oh yeah you can find us on facebook at iTunes. Cold Pizza yeah. Party and iTunes, iTunes by searching Cold Pizza Party and subscribe because sometimes we vary when we come out. So the easiest way to not mm-hmm. actually miss us is by yeah. subscribing, or you can follow us on SoundCloud. As long as it exists by the time this yeah. podcast comes yeah, out. Yeah, there's some rumors that maybe it won't be able to. Does exist. anybody use anything besides iTunes for podcasts? You mean SoundCloud? No, iTunes. Oh. I mean to like listen to. Oh, Stitcher, I've heard other people, people say, but I've never actually stuff, right? been on there, so I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you can also find us on Twitter at Cold Pizza Party. So basically everything is Cold Pizza Party. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that was a really long intro. Um, the first thing that we want to talk about today is just what happened in Charlottesville. We're recording on Monday, so it's not very far mm-hmm. uh, off for us. Obviously, uh, in addition to a Nazi rally, <laughs> uh, one person was murdered, 19 people were injured by a uh, white supremacist who decided to ram his car into a group of people, basically. He yeah. rammed it into another car, and he managed to injure and murder people, so... Yeah. So obviously, first of all, we're like very saddened, <laughs> and not that I think they're they'll be listening, but I, it does seem right to say you know our condolences go out right. to family, friends, loved ones of the people who uh, have been hurt, and of course um, Heather Heyer lost her life. Did you um, want to talk about any of the coverage? Like it's really sad how mainstream yeah. media talks about her, like. Well, first, just the coverage. I think, like, we recommended citations needed on our Facebook page on, I don't know, some day this past week. And we recommended an episode where they purged socialists of color. Um, Adam Johnson's podcast. Yeah, and Nima Shirazi. But the um, episode... Oh, I'm erasing the voice of people of color. You are. But the episode right after that was about how the media perpetuates white supremacy. And it's just like, I like listened to it, I don't know, Friday or something like that. And then Saturday, just like, it was like, oh my God, everything that they Mm. talked about is happening. They spent a lot of time talking about language. Yeah. How like police shootings are described as if, you know, bullets... Have their own agenda. Yeah their own racist agenda and they always just go after black people it's weird or the language of officer involved shooting like yeah where was the officer was he shot 
Was he there? How the headlines are opaque almost to the point of, well, sometimes to the point of misinformation. Yeah. And that happened a lot um, on Saturday. There was a lot of passive language. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, there was this idea that this car just drove itself practically into, like, like Knight Rider style, just drove mm-hmm. itself into the crowd. Um, and also a lot of headlines that did not make it clear that it wasn't a white supremacist who was murdered. A white mm-hmm. supremacist was the murderer, yeah, you know? Yeah, a lot of headlines just said, like, um, I don't know, like it was a white supremacist rally in a car. It said, yeah, it said, like, one killed after white supremacist rally, yeah, in Charlottesville and stuff yeah. like that. We should have probably pulled out some examples of these headlines. When it should have just said, like, anti-racist protesters attacked. Yeah. Should have been the headline. Or murdered. Yeah. I mean, that was the other thing. They kept using altercation, clashes, which were exact examples from that episode Mm -hmm. of, like, what happens, especially in terms of police shootings, that uh, were just completely recycled. And there was a lot of coverage, too, then, about the guy that mimicked the coverage that we see a lot when it's like a white person who's the shooter. Oh, he was quiet. He was yeah. lonely. You know, no one could have seen this coming. He was such a nice guy. It's like, please, he murdered someone. Like, spare me. Yeah. And obviously the media hasn't mentioned, like, why she was there. That's really. the biggest one that really, yeah. really arced me. Y- yesterday, last night, I was, like, looking through. I just searched her name because I wanted to know what folks who don't follow, like, socialist twitter basically mm-hmm. might be seeing because we knew like from that immediately oh she was a member of iww she was uh, also i think a member of dsa um some of the other folks who got hurt were dsa people mm-hmm. iso people so we were like very 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 hyper aware of that yeah. and also like seeing most of the people who are involved in like antifa and stuff like that tend to be anarchists, mm-hmm. communists, socialists, yeah. you know. So then I was looking at the mainstream media coverage last night just by typing her name into Google to see what came up. And article after article, HuffPo, yeah. uh, New York Times, Washington Post, every paper you can think of, every major website you can think of was like, oh, she was an activist. She, she hated inequality. Yeah, yeah. yeah stuff like that like all these euphemisms that don't say like no the reason she was there is because she was a socialist like her beliefs directly brought her there like I saw people tweeting who were there saying like I'm also a member of IWW we were there because we're socialists like you cannot pull that away from why we were there and if she were just like a centrist who was like I would stand against the hate we should you know come together and be nice to each other we wouldn't be trying to claim her we'd be like it's horrible that she died she was here doing the right thing yeah we'd still condemn the you know white nationalists but we wouldn't be like Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and it, well, it's sad because you're erasing her as a victim, especially. And her because, as a person, like her yeah. individuality. I mean, that's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. You're creating a more perfect victim. Yeah, true. For the mainstream, yeah, right? That's right? Rendering her as just a victim. I so guess. then I saw people like Mindy Kaling mm-hmm. or uh, Georgia Hardstark, like a pretty yeah. famous podcaster and stuff like that, sharing photos of her 
with no mention of the fact that she's like a politically active, engaged person who had very specific beliefs. I yeah. mean, I felt like really upset. I think I tweeted at someone like who was who was also upset about this. Like they keep describing her as an activist. Well, her murder was an activist too. Yeah, true. What they, you believe matters. That's yeah. that's really the key <laughs> just, to the whole thing. Just saying someone's an activist doesn't, doesn't mean, mean like, anything. Yeah, it doesn't mean oh they have the right views. They're out here for you know nonviolence. Yeah, or Martin Luther King or something. But that just reminds me of that idea of like being opaque to the point of misinformation. Sure. Like you would actually be more informed not reading these pieces almost you know at least especially if you were maybe on twitter you'd be you'd have a better shot of i guess knowing something about her than if you read the new york times if you read the paper what you hear is that she's a paralegal yes so sad that like her job yeah yeah they were like well she wasn't married she didn't have kids okay then her job defines her no if anything please like the work she was devoted to Mm -hmm. was not not her paralegal work. Not filing paperwork. Yeah. yeah. It's clearly the thing that drove her out there. Like, come on. Yeah. So that was just really, really upsetting but to me. But that's all you can be is your job or a member of your family. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, so that was really upsetting to me because, you know, she's like 32. I'm 30. Like, she's a socialist. Mm-hmm. I'm a socialist. And the idea that if I went somewhere specifically to stand and fight for my beliefs and i died that day that those beliefs would be erased like that because they're not convenient to the narrative that npr wants to share with their listeners during their look back at heather hire's life and they don't mention Mm -hmm. that she's a so it's like that's like a key piece of information how do you talk about her life and not mention why she was there like yeah anyway it, it really really upset me not to make it about me but you know we're people like we're that's how i think we relate to things sometimes is by putting ourselves in other people's situation and to me when i imagine that it's like fucking horrifying actually yeah so equally horrifying are reading like the alt-right accounts talking about this stuff yeah i wouldn't recommend that unless like me you're compelled bizarrely towards toxicity sometimes not me every time i see someone just even to criticize it posting it, i want to be like no take it down take it down this is stupid obviously there are you know like the david duke accounts and stuff was it stormfront or daily storm they were just saying atrocious things about the victim but like what what i've been reading and really irritates me is uh i have a twitter list that i call trash and i just add mostly outright people to it so I just scroll through that list when I want to see something. When get you want to get into a fight, yeah. Yeah, or get into a fight. And there's just so many of them, like, their point of view. As soon as this happened, they were like, I was probably Antifa who did it for some reason. <laughs> or then some of them were like, maybe it was a false flag, you know? Yeah. By Antifa. And then they were like, well, you know, Antifa was beating on his car with bats, so, like, of course he was scared. That's something that I also saw, um, it was, like, I think her name is, like, Taylor Lorenz, she's a, or Lorenzo, she's a The Hill reporter, and she had tweeted yesterday that she was, like, live-streaming when this happened, and someone, like, some Nazi came and punched her and made her drop her phone and live-stream, so she went to the uh, police station to press charges 
Because, yeah, this this shit is no joke. I mean, in case you didn't realize people dying, like, they're also just beating the shit out of anybody who yeah. they don't like, you know? Yeah. Um, so uh, she went to the police station to file charges against the guy who hit her. And um, while she was there, she was talking to a couple of police officers who said uh, that they didn't believe that there was malice behind this guy's actions. Right, she overheard that, cops saying that. That it was um, just... Uh, a kid who got scared, basically. Yeah, that he got scared and reacted. Yeah, which and, is... You watch a video, that is clearly not what happened. Yeah, and that, like, fucking pisses me off so bad because I was like, you know, to immediately, the same day, like, not even hours later, jump to the conclusion that you're on the, the that you identify with and are on the side of the guy who plowed people down yeah. just because they're protesters whose political views yeah. you don't agree with or feel threatened by or something is out of control insane but what pisses me off even more is that I, so i retweeted that and then today i was looking for something else in my timeline and i noticed oh that tweet is no longer available and i thought that's weird like did i get mm-hmm. blocked from this person what's going on so I went and I looked and I was not blocked, but I, I scrolled through her timeline and I saw that she has deleted those tweets and tweeted that, oh, those cops hadn't seen the video yet, so they didn't know yeah. what was going on, which so instead she we thinks see, absolves them yeah. or will make her less threatening to the establishment because she's a, the Hill reporter. They thrive on access, right? She's mm-hmm. not trying to be like retweeted by a bunch of leftists. The Hill is just a outlet that you can push your propaganda through. A thousand percent. Yeah. I mean, literally, like, when they're writing about some politician, it's that politician who, like, leaked yeah, that shit. Yeah, staff okay? wrote this article. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, so... She just, thinks that she absolves thinks, them. Exactly. Her, well, them specifically. Yes, but I was like, no, that makes it worse. Mm-hmm. That means that they heard that someone mowed down a bunch of protesters and they immediately started making excuses for the person who killed a socialist the white person yeah who did this yeah, yeah. this white right winger yeah oh there must have been a good explanation yes when the truth is you know white wing terrorist right wing also the person groups, who committed violence regardless of whether they were white regardless of whether they killed a socialist they made an excuse for the person who committed violence and, and took lives i know you're a police officer what the fuck is that? Well, if they were scared in a crowd, they'd just start firing into the crowd, you know? Yeah. I don't see yeah. that as wrong. Yeah. If somebody's beating on your car, just drive away and file an insurance claim. Yeah. Which isn't what was happening anyway. They're beating. There's video of people beating on his car because he was running people over. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then on these alt-right and accounts, they split. They cut, like, one second out of it and loop it. So it's one second. You can barely see the car moving or how fast it's going, and they change the speed anyway. And they just show somebody, like, hitting the car with a bat, and they're like, look. Yeah, well, those cops were saying, oh, there were... I don't know how they, like, knew this, but they hadn't seen a video yet, but there were, like, dents on the car that looked like they had been made by, like, a baseball bat or some object. Yeah, because... So he was probably, like, upset and scared and angry. because, like, a dozen brave people charged the car after he rammed it. I know. Ran people over, rammed it into a stop. Reverse. the other car before he threw it in reverse because he probably had a second where he was like, my God, I can't believe I'm, like, killing people, right? He doesn't have, like... The mental presence to immediately throw it in reverse there's like this delay yeah and people rush the car and start beating on it yeah you know that's yeah. why there's dents in the fucking car yeah anyway 
we don't want to spend too, too long talking about this. We usually try very hard not to be topical, but, yeah. I mean, this is, like, literally taking up all of my mental and emotional I energy this weekend. I more about these, like, alt-right accounts that I was following saying this a little bit more. It's just, like... Are you like, sure you want to? Because, like, I don't really feel like we need to give them a lot of space on our show or in our lives. I guess. It's a waste of time. I don't know. It's just so fucking... All right, tell me like, one more thing. Well, the general narrative is like, um, you know, the left started the violence yeah. by punching Richard Spencer or by having Antifa. They're the real dangerous ones, you know. And you, I, okay, I'm, I like to fight with people on Twitter. I get in their threads and I share like the numbers, you know, the facts, you know, like mm-hmm. forget your feelings. Here's the facts. Like, well, you know you can't buy your own logic, these people. I, mean, I, I know. I'm just trolling. Really. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to get anything out of it. But, like, I... So, there have been more right-wing terrorist attacks than Islamist ter- terrorist attacks in America since 2001. Yeah. And the death toll is about the same. Yeah. And there are, like, almost no left-wing terrorist attacks where people died. Meanwhile, there is almost 100 right-wing ones. And you point that out to people. Here's a guy who drove into a fucking crowd like Muslim terrorists have been doing in, in Europe. Europe. Yeah. And every time somebody, some Muslim does that, the call goes up from all conservatives across the country to say, why aren't Muslims denouncing and this? And some liberals, like Omar And some liberals. And... Meanwhile, all the Muslims are denouncing yeah. it. They're just not fucking listening. Yeah. And here, these white racists who deny that they're racists, deny that they're Nazis, one of their number, who is a racist, who is a Nazi drives into a crowd of people and they it doesn't even occur to them to like denounce this violence immediately they're like we didn't start this fight yeah you know and even if we did it was justified like yeah it's so sick it is sickening and i get in there and like i'm not that mean on the internet sometimes i am yeah i'm like just like how hard is it to say like i don't support what this guy did obviously (sighs) and i haven't seen anybody say that but they do support what he did. Yeah. That's the difference. And if I said I haven't seen anybody say that, they'd find one guy who said it and posted. Yeah. The point is they're, by and large, not saying that at all. Like, you follow the major accounts, it goes immediately from blaming Antifa for the violence to just, like, literally blaming them, saying the car was probably driven by Antifa, oh to just then blaming them for the violence anyway after they know the truth and not even taking a moment to say like let's not murder people but they that's what they want their whole project is to eradicate people like i I mean that is what they want that's the difference is like you know that's why it's frustrating when you do have people who are like islamophobes like bill maher because they make it in their worldview it's like oh see that's that's what they're worried about why aren't these muslims condemning uh this violence because maybe secretly they all they want to kill all of us but the truth is no they don't and tons of people tons of muslim people do condemn violence and they are the victims of that violence so they are especially sensitive to it and do not want this to continue right but on the right, I mean, the crazy Nazi right, right? That's literally what they want. That That, that is what they want. Why would yeah. they condemn it when that's what they... That, there's no, but there's they no pretend, secret. They pretend that's but what it's, they want. But we all know that yeah. that's not true. They can pretend all they want. That's We know that that's not true. And now I would hope that for most people, although maybe not for the mainstream media, the veneer is starting to fall, right? Like, yeah. how many... People can you hurt, maim, kill before we realize, oh, it's not so secret that these people, and also your ideology is explicitly that, that these people want to kill people. These people want to eradicate 
entire groups, races, ethnicities, whatever, of people. Because their hate knows no bounds. It's not like if they got an all-white earth or whatever, they would stop there, right? Well, then you have to be white enough. Oh, are you a Spaniard? Uh, That's not white. Are you Eastern European? Uh, That's not white. Are you Italian? Uh, That's not white. Are you Irish? That might not be white after a while. You know, like, it just goes on and on and on. The hate is boundless. No one is... That's, that's why this ideology is so toxic and stupid and, like, hard to understand why anyone would subscribe to. And yet, here we are starting to realize that we're going to, like, have to fucking fight Nazis again. Yeah. Like, wherever they are, we have to and, go meet them and protest them and stomp them out. And their mindset is so toxic and violent, they have to imagine the same thing on the other side to balance themselves yeah. out. Yeah. Well, what is actually... Because those people, like, to some extent, I mean, they are just fucking crazy but the thing that worries me more actually is all of the centrist bullshit that i've seen that equates the left with the right right that says oh anti anti fine fascist mm-hmm. that's the same thing oh bernie bros and alt light that's yep. the same thing like no it's not like it's really really not i will never for the life of me understand how you equate people who want to create a system that's based on human needs rather than profit motives with people who want to exterminate entire races of people because of the color of their skin, because, I don't know, I don't even, their religion, whatever. Pick a thing you Mm -hmm. hate, I guess. So how you equate those two things. But the center is like, oh, no, 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 there's no difference. Yeah. That's what actually worries me the most because that's bullshit. And more importantly, they're allowing the right to continue to fester in darkness, right? Like, the if you're not willing to shine a light on what's happening in the alt-right, it's bad. But if you equate it to what's happening on the left, you're actually propagating disinformation, mm-hmm. you know? And, and, and you're making the case that what they're doing on the alt-right is basically okay because there's this counterbalance on the other side. That isn't That you're actually, creating that yeah. isn't real. Yeah. But also that isn't actually vile and violent, yeah. you know? Antifa does not kill people. R- right-wing... Yeah, they don't ter- start violence. No. They're well, there to help... Well... They don't... Like, they bust things up. Okay, they but they're reacting to what yeah. the right is doing. They're there for a They don't start, like just violence uh, like violent riots out of nowhere it's right you in know? the name too anti-fascist yeah, if yeah. you're not a fascist you it's literally telling you anti reaction yeah. to meanwhile so, the reactionaries the against they, you have to push against something. they go into churches and shoot people they blow up they put bombs in planned parenthoods they build bombs in their garage that then they plan to set off they now drive through crowds of people bombs by know? NAACP centers yeah. firebombing jewish synagogues Jewish black center, churches. community centers yeah they surrounded a black church with torches on Friday yeah night. yeah yeah and another comparison to Antifa like on Democracy Now we saw the black uh, the black um, lady pastor I forget her name from St. Louis Tony I'm blanking on her she last was in name. the church yeah. and she was saying how when she was a kid in I think Birmingham she remembers you know how old she was under 10 and there was a KKK rally, and she saw them march through the town, and they wore hoods, and now they're out here without hoods. They're in white polo shirts. Um, you can see their faces, and they're just walking around. I've told Antifa, you- they have to cover up their faces because they will be busted by the police. Like Yeah, even the yeah. students standing up to those torch-bearing Nazis that night, 
were covering their faces. And yeah. I was saying to you, why do the students who are standing up against racism, against mm-hmm. violence, against white supremacy, why are they the ones who have to hide their faces? Yeah. Um, but I, but this isn't that new, unfortunately. Like, I was telling you that when I was a little kid, there'd be times when my dad would call my mom and say, hey, stay out of downtown Columbus. Yeah. Because there was going to be a KKK march in downtown Columbus. And, like, you know, like I told you, they their hate knows no bounds. I'm white. I'm so white, I'm practically glow-in-the-dark. But uh, my mom speaks with an accent. Yeah. We're Eastern European. That means we're not white enough. We're immigrants. Pick your reason why to hate us. This isn't that new, unfortunately. And the but for a while, this was my point that I was trying to get to is for a while we've let it. I think when I say we, I mean like the main part of society fester in the dark, and we we let ourselves forget that this exists and it's happening all the time. Like we all knew that like Stormfront, Daily Stormer, and shit like that existed, but no one ever talked about it. No one ever dealt with it out in the open. Yeah. And that's what the mainstream media is doing again. I think even by erasing that she's a socialist who was killed by a fascist, mm-hmm. they're erasing what's happening. Daily Stormer knows who they killed. They know who they're after. They know who they're they're out there like to beat up socialists, Black Lives Matter. These these types of Antifa, obviously, these types of people who are joining this resistance that's specifically resisting them, not you know this actively fighting, not the resistance to Trump doesn't mean anything. Like, and if you don't allow for there to be a dialogue out in the open about what's going on in the politics of our nation beyond what Trump did on Twitter and what Hillary is doing in the woods, then you're going to allow this to fester and get worse and worse. It's already been festering for years. We haven't heard about it for years. I'm telling you, the last time I remember hearing about it in my own life was when I was a little kid. But it's been going on, and now it's catching up with us. And And if we're not going to talk about honestly what's happening, honestly who they're targeting, honestly who they are, then... And not mentioning Heather... Higher. ...beliefs or political stance, then you leave that space open so that later you can fill it with... um, Like feel-good liberal feelings? Like if she had to occupy that space of what is like socialism and stuff here. Yeah. You know, being murdered in cold blood then she would have to, like, we could let her fill that space. But instead, you know, instead they're going to show pictures of Black Bloc and make the point, like, okay, here's some comparison mm. to the crazy Nazis that kill people. Right. And then they're going to be scared of socialists and say, well, they're equivalent to the alt-right who don't kill people. And in the middle are us reasonable centrists, which, again, is just going to let the extremism fester because yeah. you're you're normalizing it by creating this specter on the other side that doesn't exist to balance it out. Yeah. 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 And what's worst of all is that the center is absolutely not equipped to deal with this. Mm-hmm. They don't have any commitment to any ideology. They don't have any tactics. All Everyone who's in the center is in the center because they like the status quo. They're empowered. They're comfortable. They're cushy. You think they're going to go out and risk their lives because there's a bunch of fucking neo-Nazis marching? No, yeah. they're not. The Nira Tandons and Hillary Clintons and whatever, Robbie Mooks of this world are back in New York twittering away about how bad both sides are. Like yeah. Trump. They won't even support Cornell West. Yeah. He was there in the church when he yeah. was being surrounded by torches, you know. 
Yeah. Where were the mainstream media liberals jumping to his defense? <laughs> they don't even invite him on MSN. They haven't yeah. since he criticized Obama. I yeah. mean. Okay, we're rambling a little bit, but before we stop. That's okay. I mean, to be fair, this How is could like. We not? Yeah, I mean, it's. We need to decompress. Like, we've been just swimming in this all weekend, and I've definitely done some crying. It's been like a very painful experience to realize all of the stuff that we're talking about you know it was yeah. painful to lose a comrade and it's also and to see so many other people injured and just the violence of that video i mean that is so fucked up yeah but then on top of all of that to then not even be able to fully mourn because you have to get angry about the way that what you just saw happen is actually being covered and portrayed yeah. it's another level of mindfuckery that yeah, we have to, like, decompress and to some extent. the fact that, I mean, it really feels like things are going to get worse before they get better. Yeah. And when you have a president who doesn't condemn this... It's really scary. Yeah. You have he a president walks out that of the doesn't room, condemn walks it. out of the room twice when they ask him to condemn white nationalist violence. Yeah, he doesn't condemn it. The white nationalists send around, like, a memo to each other, like, hey, he didn't Look, even... Yeah, he yeah, didn't condemn it. This we is should do more, us. yeah. Yeah, he's giving us the go-ahead. And then you also read first-hand accounts online from people saying that uh, the police, like, basically turned their backs, didn't step in... in not even online. I mean, Cornell West was talking about it on Democracy Now, yeah. but I've read accounts online too of people who were there saying like the police absolutely were like hands off, not stepping in. And on top of that, you have people. Is that impersonating an officer like a an offense? I know. So fucking you have scary. all they're these there people guns, there with, with assault guns, weapons, with vests on that look like they're military or police. But or Black some. Lives Matter are the real terrorists. Yeah. Here. Yeah. And plus, when you have the mainstream media, like, so Trump says both sides do it. And then you have mainstream centrists and even liberals saying that's true, both sides do it. Like, that is not going to help things. Which is why we also can't stop, like, briefly um, attacking mainstream liberals and trying to, like, take their place. No. Like, I'm telling you, they're so ill-equipped to actually take handle over this. For them. We need to, like, they can't, yeah, they can't handle this. We need to take their place so we can handle it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they're, they're lost in their own weeds, in their yeah. wonkery, in their bureaucracy, in their bullshit. They like, couldn't defeat Trump in elections, and they're not going to be able to even keep up with what's going on. No, no. Well, again, I think this has a lot to do with what we've talked about before, which is that you you need to have a commitment to your morality, your ideology, mm-hmm. your principles. You know, if you don't, especially in these raucous times, you're you're gonna get blown by whichever the yeah. way the you know the winds go and like one of my favorite old episodes we did to brag a little bit was when we talked about centrism as an ideology and stuff i don't even remember what episode it was it was, was that back, the one where we talked about vox probably like 11 reasons why vox is fascist probably we probably talked about it multiple times but like when you want to be centrist and you want to be pragmatic you can only end up being a monster because you only believe in like your own capacity to rule yeah and it's unbounded by like moral constraints we did have a topic this week, not just this stuff. Yeah. So we're going to talk about a Yahoo News article called Melania, Ivanka, and Ivana Trump wear high heels, a symbol of everything that is beautiful and horrifying about them. Yahoo News, the old, the gray lady of journalism. Yeah. 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 I was really surprised to find an article that I found so interesting on 
Yahoo. I think someone like shared it on Twitter, and that's how I actually saw it. You have to pronounce Yahoo like they said in the commercials. I definitely won't be doing that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I thought this article was like really interesting. And also, like, just a good way to, like, lighten things up a little bit, because, you know, things have been really heavy this week. So, basically, this is an article about the high heels that the Trump women wear, and a little bit about what it says about them, and perhaps the administration a little bit. So, in the article, she starts out... Actually, we'll, we'll go into this paragraph here. Six months in, and the Trump women are well on their way to normalizing the footwear of the beauty pageant. The Cinderella shoe fitted on the feet of all the Miss Teen USAs and Miss Universes who ever beamed under the Trumpian gaze in contests of yore is also the shoe that average women can bear for only a few hours at weddings or proms before casting them off, moaning and rubbing their soles. So they're talking specifically about stiletto heels. Yeah, which I had to explain to Adam the difference. I'm sort of new. Yeah, but basically we're talking... Later in the article they point out the stiletto means dagger, or mm-hmm. a specific type of dagger in Italian. But yeah, these are these very high heel. We're talking like four and a half inch yeah. heels. Super thin heels. Very thin, um, very exaggerated arch. Yes, so the slant of your foot is almost vertical. Yeah. It's like your toes are on the ground. Yeah, you're it. basically on your tippy toes. Yeah. Here they call them a podiatrist dream or nightmare. Should we um, start with the sort of Evo psych explanation for high heels? Uh, There's sure. two. One of them is disturbing, but almost too disturbing to be real. The first is probably is like obvious, which is like it puts your butt in like the sexual position. Yeah, it forces you to actually. It exaggerates like the femaleness of the female walk. It says. Yeah. And it forces you, because in order to stand to like balance on them, you basically have to arch your back, mm-hmm. and uh, that forces you also to stick your butt out. So a lot of times people like will say, "Oh yeah, you got to wear heels. They make your butt look great." Like I've definitely yeah. heard that before. Yeah, it says in the article, she quotes an anthropologist, um, Helen Fisher, who puts it more bluntly. High heels thrust out the buttocks and arch the back into a natural mammalian courting pose called lordosis. In fact, uh, rats do it, sheep do it, lions do it, dogs do it. It's a naturally sexy posture that men of all mammalian species (laughs) immediately see as sexual readiness. So heels are a come-hither signal. Yeah. And she talks to, I think a lot of people know this, that like heels and shoes really started with fancy men in like the 1600s and 1700s. Yeah. Who yeah. didn't have to like walk anywhere or w- would be like carried yeah. in like those little stretchers. Yeah. And it puts your butt out in the air so everybody thinks you're ready for copulation. <laughs> Probably they did. I it's think it had, taller. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think it had more to do with like, like foot binding in Asia where it's like it's a sign that you don't have to do like manual so, labor yeah, sign of class yeah status but then here it says that um uh, italian prostitutes China. i don't know if the rest of asia was doing foot yeah binding. probably not um italian prostitutes were the first women to wear them yeah. along with they smoked cigarettes and other like mannerisms and habits of cool that they picked up from men because they had more exposure to like, yeah men's society also prostitutes like that's part of the reason we get to wear color now. I mean, mm. like, in, like, Victorian times, everyone was wearing, like, gray, black, maybe navy to mix it up. And then prostitutes were wearing color because they, again, it's, like, mating rituals. Like, you you know, a colorful bird gets the attention, right? Like, yeah. So, um, 
I don't know. I just find it interesting that this is another way that they've really, like, really helped develop our fashion or wearing lipstick, all of those things like right lips, red lips happen when you're aroused. So wearing lipstick, you know? Yeah. Um, so these are all these different ways that, you know, prostitutes, sex workers is what we'd call them now. But, uh, you know, these, this marginalized class of women have actually really helped advance all women's yeah. rights. Also, over and over. Uh, they're part of the reason we're allowed to, like, people always, like, talk about, oh, Muslim nations are so backwards. As a woman, you have to, you can't go out without a chaperone. It wasn't that long ago that that was the case in oh, the U.S. Yeah. too. It's, but part of it was that prostitutes, women of the night, you know, were walking together, but by themselves, like, uh, out in the streets, and that ultimately normalized the idea that you may see a woman out alone or with uh, Mm. a group of friends. So there's this other explanation here that is kind of another evo-psych explanation about, you know, based in, like, the darker side of human nature, which is a great example of why reactionary conservatives love evolutionary psychology, which is all bullshit. Evo-psych is dumb as fuck. It's like the new phrenology, or oh, like, yeah. you know, skull science, whatever you want to call it, like, or social Darwinism. Just pick a time in history when people have tried to kind of like use science to justify their prejudice. Absolutely. I think especially when it comes to sexism, racism too. I mean, mm. you're always going to find some Evo psych person, Evo being evolutionary. Yeah. To be clear, popping up to tell you why being racist is totally natural. Men dominating women is normal. (laughs) Yeah. Whatever. We were talking about it personally together because of the Google memo. You pointed out, like, you're always starting what? You're starting from here and looking backward. It's almost like you're extrapolating Mm -hmm. backward. Yeah, totally. You couldn't invent a scientific discipline that would be more like flattering your biases yeah yeah as they currently are yeah, yeah. because you're projecting into the past based the on way what things you... were back then which is really hard to know yeah. to begin with just based on what you know now basically yeah so. and the arg- it's kind of also one of those like divine right of kings arguments like well the way things are now men are in charge so that means therefore that must be evolutionarily best yeah. Which isn't necessarily true. Of course. <laughs> and, you know, people will bash on Richard Dawkins a lot, but I read his books when I was young, and I learned from there that, like, evolution is not, like, this this process of perfection. Yeah. It's a process. And I also learned from Douglas Adams, like, you get this from his whole attitude, and they were friends. Yeah. Um, that evolution <clears throat> is, like, a process of, like, just good enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We had a... When we were in Hong Kong, we, like, wandered into a mosque just because it looked cool. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. But we had a uh, conversation with a guy at the mosque who, you know, like all people at their religious thing wants to, like, convert you. Yeah. And we were like, okay, but we're atheists. Like, we'll talk to you for a little bit, but, you know, we're atheists. And then one of his, like, arguments was like, but if God doesn't exist, why are humans... Uh, made so perfectly. Yeah. I was like, we're absolutely not made perfectly. There are all kinds of creatures on this earth that have mm-hmm. better eyes, wings, like, <laughs> you know, what a, special skills. Like, ants can basically carry skyscrapers. Like, if we were mm-hmm. as strong as ants, we could, like, carry skyscrapers. Mm-hmm. Okay, like... There are animals who could... They say that, like, mantis shrimp could see cancer in your body. Yeah, well, they can see... Different spectrums of light. Yeah, exactly. So they can see wavelengths that, I guess, move through us, and they would be able to tell. Yeah. Like x-ray, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. 
So it was just so funny because he he thought, ah, ah, gotcha. Here's a dead-on argument. Why is it like we were designed, you know? Yeah. And it's like, it's not. If yeah. I were designing a ultimate superior species that I was making for this little, like, I don't know, toy. Water planet? Yeah, yeah. Almost like a little dollhouse, basically. But, yeah. right? You know, I would give it some of the cooler skills, like, again, <laughs> like being able to fly, yeah, and being able to see spectrums of light, you know, of color that we can't even imagine. Yeah. Those are things I might include in that perfect specimen. Yeah, totally. I mean, really, when you want to talk about, like, the nature of being human in the world, especially compared to other animals, you have to, like, contend with our nakedness, like our soft pinkiness. Yeah. Eventually he was like, Don't, aren't you guys tourists? Don't you guys have to go? Like, <laughs> yeah. He, like, gave us some orange was juice fun. and was like, okay, well, hope you enjoy Hong Kong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, but so this stupid Evo Psych argument here is that, um, sorry, we scrolled the page and lost it. Okay, so one, what's, how do you, would you say this? Altocalcifilist. Okay. Altocalcifilia is the love of shoes, I guess, or feet. Yeah. I think shoes. So uh, one of them writing on a British website tried to explain with this, like, Evo Psych explanation, explanation what high-heeled shoes do to a man, or you know, a lesbian. Uh, the allure of high heels for some people is very strong. Subconsciously, this may relate to a primal instinct to identify lame prey. Throughout recorded history, limping in others has been seen both as a physical weakness as well as a sexually attractive impediment. Wearing high heel shoes can accentuate the limping characteristics in a very tantalizing way. Yeah, that's gross. Yeah. And uh, this isn't just like one fetishist's idea. I've, yeah, I've heard yeah. people say this before. Um, yeah, so that's a different stupid Evo psych argument. Um, yeah, to be clear, I think the other one makes sense. Like, put your butt out there, you know? It's like a yeah, I sort mean, of like sexual I, body position. Yeah, like I said, I've literally like heard people be like, yeah, I wear, you know, high heels because they make my legs look more shapely or my butt looks more perky or, you know. Yeah. round or whatever. What I think this article describes really well, though, is like, okay, so part of why EvoPsych is stupid is that, like, briefly, you know, there's a lot of reasons, is that its imagination, imagination is so narrow and stilted, so it doesn't have the capability for really abstract thought, you know? So you can argue that high heels put you in this sexual position, and people will be like, oh, that's logical, that's rational. But also high heels make you seem powerful, right? Mm-hmm. And you can say that's because you're taller. You know, that's a very basic argument. But this Or because article, they're literally a weapon, especially when they're fucking stilettos. I mean, yeah. you could, like, legit puncture someone's head. I've actually uh, watched a murder show where the woman mm-hmm. killed her husband with, with her stiletto. stiletto. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's, so that's a real life, yeah. real true so I'm just saying. Story. Yeah, yeah, I'm just saying, like, in terms of seeming powerful, part of it is that you're literally wielding a weapon. Yeah. But also, and this article talks about it, I think this is important for, like, the appeal of the Trump women and why they're drawn to high heels. You're displaying, like, your mastery, Mm. your grace, you know, Mm -hmm. because it's very hard to walk in these. And to be able to do it in a way that looks natural, she talks about the Trump women doing it without even looking at the ground, seemingly. Yeah. When, you know, any, like, crack in the pavement or loose stones could cause you to break an ankle. Yeah. There's something about the ability to do that that I think we perceive subconsciously as humans. 
you know, in other humans. Yeah. We see that confidence. Yeah. And, like, we're drawn towards it. So I think that's another aspect of high heels that are appealing. And you can make that Evo Psych argument, but nobody does because Evo Psych people are stupid and they just think, like, oh, it's sexual. Like, yeah. Well, it looks sexual. Yeah. Yeah. They're very one note. It's sexual to be confident, you know? Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, I think there is that aspect of, yeah, like, poise, and I think she talks about... Oh, high heels are sexy because your butt's in the air. Okay, but also because, like, you're doing a feat of mastery. Yeah, like, watching someone play the guitar skillfully, right? It's like that people are always like, oh, girls love guys to play the guitar or whatever. It's like, because you're, it's, yeah, it's a sign of mastery. You've developed a skill that's difficult, like... You know, there's always, there's other things that it tells you about someone than just like, well, he plays the guitar. Obviously, he fucks well. Yeah, you know? <laughs> I I like am predisposed to hate virtuosity in art, but mm-hmm. there is something like compelling, like superhumanly compelling about watching somebody else do something well. Yeah, it feels like an out of body experience. I was making you watch this. Um, <laughs> I love watching like like workout videos on Instagram oh my God, yeah. and I was making you uh, watch some of them with me the, of this woman who's just incredibly strong and just like athletic and what's her skillful. name her, uh, her name's like Ka- I think it's just at Kasia or Kasia we can check and put it in the show notes yeah thing. anyway she's very cool like very inspiring when you're like Ugh, I don't feel like working out today it's like oh my god no I want to be strong as this woman is um, but uh, yeah, part of it is we were watching and I just kept clicking on like another one, another one, because it is just, yeah, there's something mesmerizing about watching her just not only like, you know, do like workouts that look really hard, but she's so like precise in her movements and mm-hmm. is just obviously very skilled in the way she's like learned to do these uh, exercises. Yeah. So it's just really, really pleasing to watch. Yeah. Yeah. And the author of this article makes that point about walking in high heels, too, specifically when talking about, like, Melania and Ivanka. Yeah. And I think that is, um, I think there's really something there, especially the idea that, so obviously this is, like, a gender norm, which is a binary restriction based on your behavior that is ultimately arbitrary, right? Yeah. Men started wearing high heels. There's no reason women should be the ones expected to wear high heels. But these Trump women accept that um accept that like burden that's placed on them to conform to this role Mm -hmm. and they do it with grace in a way that is powerful yeah she says here that there's an element of risk yeah um in in what they're doing walking in these tiny stilettos yeah which when mastered further differentiates them from average women yeah and so like when you see ivanka she's like she know she talks about that this too that when you wear high heels you look tall statuesque ideal you know yeah. like uh, long whatever so you know when you see Ivanka and like her hair is this is like when you see any rich person any famous person it's like the quality of their clothes is like higher so the way that they look I know. even just in their clothes looks different than yeah. the way normal people look and you know the have, way their hair is they, they have, have like teams products doing their hair and makeup so. and products to like that are you know just more expensive that mm-hmm. do more shit like whatever cutting edge or yeah and so you know their skin is smoother their hair is shinier mm-hmm. their clothes look softer and nicer than they yours they eat healthier all the time yeah of course know, so. yeah well if you can afford someone like personally cooking 
according to your macronutrient needs and stuff like that. You know, it's easier. And then on top of that, you have them wearing these incredibly fancy, sometimes elaborately designed, but always like very, you know, almost artistic. Like like a like a piece of art. The shoes are like oh, enge- yeah. this engineered and piece of fashion that they're wearing. Is something like, aesthetically powerful too about the stiletto heel, like captured in the name, the yeah, dagger. Yeah, I mean it does look dangerous and powerful and strong. It doesn't just look like dainty, like oh here's a soft woman, yeah. the way like a normal high heel does. Yeah, I think one thing like she didn't talk about here, but that like if you are someone who's ever been into like nail art or mm-hmm. maybe just you know casually browsed on Pinterest or whatever, there's like a manicure called like the stiletto, which is like you know usually like black on the um, on your nail, but then when you kind of if you turned your hand in like so your palm the part of your nail that you see when you turn your hand in and you're looking mm-hmm. at your palm is painted red from the inside oh, like a cool. Louboutin um, like or that. I've seen ones that are meant to mimic that but then the nails are grown out or fake nails are put on and sharpened to like a very strong point you okay. know so the fact that it like the stiletto inspires other fashion trends mm-hmm. in its name tells you that this is like a powerful image powerful oh, idea right. beyond just that sticks your butt out there's like yeah like we were talking about with the bold type like you're telegraphing things when you're wearing clothes whether you know you want to be conscious of it or not there are things that you are announcing to the world when you wear and i think a lot of the time when people put something on their body whether it's you know crystals or a cross or um, stilettos you want to put things on your body that have power yeah yeah, for sure. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it could almost be a talisman. Actually, I mean, in this article, um, the I think she's like a Vogue editor that they interview specifically mentions that, yeah, former Vogue editor Andre Leon Talley, um, he actually, uh, says that Melania picked up 22 pair of Manolos in various colors before decamping to the White House. So that's like, um, that is almost like a talisman or like, yeah. you know, it's like this thing you take with you to make you feel oh, stronger yeah, totally. before you go off to, you know, like... This like incredible, like challenge that not even many humans have done. You yeah. Know, be first lady. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, there's one more explanation they give here that's sort of, you know, psych, I guess, based... Um, where is it? Oh, they talk, uh, British psychologist Paul Morris and his colleagues wrote a paper describing high heels in their biological terms as, quote, supernormal stimuli. Right. That is, stimuli that work better than the original biological trait in provoking an instinctive response. Yeah, this example is really cool. Yeah, so he, the example is the orange spot on a herring's gull, on a herring gull's beak. Yeah causes a chick to peck at the orange spot for food. But researchers found that the chick will respond even more eagerly to an orange blob on a card. A big yeah. orange, because it's bigger. So yeah. they respond more eagerly. And this also explains, like, people will always be like, why do I think that cartoon is sexy, right? Like mm, uh, like yeah. Jessica Rabbit would be yeah. a perfect example of this. Totally. Because every part of her is a super stimuli. Every part is exaggerated. Mm -hmm. The boobs are big. The waist is narrow. The hips are, you know, and all those proportions are, you know, like if you multiplied it by three in a normal person or whatever. It's not, and it doesn't matter that it's flat. In fact, it helps that it's flat. Yeah. You know, because a circle in this example is always going to be more perfect when it's flat than when it's on like a 3D beat. Totally. Totally. That's a really good point. 
Um, so I thought that that was really interesting too, because obviously, um, when you're wearing these heels, they one like create a super normal stimuli in terms of like the way your feet are just arched and stuff like that. Like they're hyper, just they're making your feet more foot like basically. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, which people obviously have long been foot fetishists. I'm not saying everyone is, but just that's one area in which it's just obviously making you more sexually desirable to a group of men um exaggerating the arch and the point yeah 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 and then every other nobody's like oh i just love heels right (laughs) but then it exaggerates all those other parts it elongates the legs Mm -hmm. it sticks out the butt it makes you know you have to move your hips a little more when you walk like everything then becomes more exaggerated as a result of this um and also like when you see the heels on their own they look like a super stimulating object right like in fact they have an uh one of trump's past wives marla maples i think her name is i guess she's tiffany trump's mother the one we'd never see uh she was an actress in the 90s or something yeah yeah between ivana and melania um she actually had a publicist while she was um you know married to trump who in 1992, Maple's former publicist, Chuck Jones, a man who loyally shepherded her through New York tabloid gauntlet during her affair with and marriage to Trump, was found to have stolen 200 pairs of Maple's shoes to violate in unprintable ways. <laughs> he denied being a shoe fetishist, but admitted that he had a sexual relationship with Marla's shoes. Mm. which clearly means like shoe fetishes yeah Yeah. but that makes sense because i mean these shoes on their own mimic this aspect of a woman that a lot of people find sexy like Mm -hmm. they do already look like an exaggerated foot foot yeah Yeah. and then on top of that it's got all these accoutrements that we socially attach to sex like not just the heel but maybe a red shoe or a red bottom to the shoe or all these different things that we then you know have socially added extra value to and so yeah of course it becomes a super stimuli so i think that's really interesting i like that idea actually that it's a super stimuli i think that that's that's also like why people are obsessed with Kardashian, like Kim Kardashian and stuff like that, you know. Or now Kylie, or the way she's I guess. Changed her body, you mean? Yeah, or yeah. Kylie, right? Because they have bodies that, like, they are super normal stimuli. Like, yeah. no one has a body, like, or literally. very few people. Well, no, maybe someone naturally has one, but probably not. Okay, <laughs> out of however many billions, let's say one does, but not most people don't. They didn't have those yeah, bodies yeah. when they started, right? Yeah, it's I a mean, feat of engineering. Yeah. And it's an artistic act, I guess, you know. It has an aesthetic. and Yeah, it, like, it's an ongoing project. Follows this process, what do you call it, of uh, exaggeration? Super normal stimuli. Yeah. Well, um, I also wanted to oh. say real quick, just, we don't, we're not celebrating Melania and Ivanka. Like, we no, don't... we're going to talk a little bit more about them in a minute here. Okay. Yeah. But I just, okay. I wanted, like, I was mentioning, like, they, you know, the aesthetic of wearing these shoes and doing it confidently like conveys a sense of power along with conformity with like conformity like grace under conformity you know that's deeply appealing to conservatives and uh yeah we're well not... that's exactly what i want to get into okay. is because we just kind of talked about the biological reasons perhaps why 
women wear heels in general. And now I want to get into some of the more specifics of why maybe these women around Trump, these conservative women, mm-hmm. may be adhering to this. So cool. Yeah. So you want to? Uh, well, I was saying a little bit right that yeah. uh, you know, especially at this moment culturally when. Uh, as a culture, we're like rejecting the expectation that women have to do a certain thing mm-hmm. for the the Trump women to accept the traditional expectations, which are a burden, which are an imposition, and to do it with grace in a way that doesn't just convey subservience, but conveys power mm-hmm. and risk taking and confidence. You know, um, it must be like deeply enticing to conservatives. Yeah, I mean it's. For one thing, presenting a very clear alternative to the pantsuit feminism of yeah, Hillary Clinton. Yeah, true. Yeah. Right? Successfully. Very successfully. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they hate her, and there's a lot of sexism in why they hate her, of and course. Also, you know, uh, Michelle Obama offered an alternative by being, like, sexy and powerful, but they hate that alternative. Yeah. 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 They were never going to get with that alternative. And also, Michelle Obama, as much as... She was, of course, you could never be like Michelle Obama, besides, like, naturally being, like, very... I mean, compared to most, like, Democratic politicians, when she'd give a speech, she was, like, more moving and interesting and just more believable than, like, when Hillary Clinton even gives a speech, okay? So there's that aspect to her, right? And, like, obviously she comes off as, like, very genuine and warm, like, which is hard to do when there's like a camera on your face, right? Or thousands of people yeah, on the other side of the podium. Reading. Yeah, so yeah. she she has all these like skills you're never going to be able to touch as a normal <laughs> woman. But then on top of that, um, you know, she was able to come off as very like she came off as like a suburban mom sometimes. Like she'd mm-hmm. wear like little, you know, capris with like Keds tennis shoes and like a little cardigan. Yeah, like you can imagine that mom like dropping her kids off or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. And then she'd look like gorgeous, like, you know, for a ball or whatever. Mm-hmm. But she was trying to show the many facets of being a woman. She you also saw her in workout gear and showing how like let's just move, working out is so important right. for health. Like so there were she was trying to show all these different aspects of herself to be like, I'm a real woman. I'm a woman you can relate to. Melania especially, but I think Ivanka to a large extent too absolutely don't show those sides like we see them with their kids yes their moms that's good for conservatives like that but there's we've never seen melania with like uh, you know a sweatshirt on or um yoga pants they're always wearing the same thing like heels and a dress yeah sleeveless dress yeah but i'm just saying it's like they're they're not trying to show you that they're just like you it's this idea of like they're more than the average woman Hmm. they're more womanly than the average woman they're more graceful than the average woman they're more confident than the average woman they're more skinny whatever than the average their body is more womanly than the average woman right even in no small part by the way it's pushed into form into place by these shoes i also thought you were going to say when you're saying um i thought you were going to say women have to be different too you know women this is what a woman is she wears a dress she wears high heels like yeah well that's what i was thinking it's like you know trump is called like the dog whistler in chief by people and stuff like that right Mm -hmm. like you know he um checks the box for racists basically right 
Well, that's what these women are essentially doing for his administration for conservative women. They're like checking the box and saying like, you're totally right to think that to adhere to gender norms, to think that women are different than men, to think that women should always strive to be as feminine and, you know, adhere to the gender norms that that are traditional as possible, right? Like, they're Mm -hmm. kind of dog-whistling in their outfits, like, the way that he dog-whistles with his words, you know, Mm -hmm. or behaviors. So that's what uh, when we were talking about like you know you're signaling different things whenever with whatever you're wearing you're telegraphing to people you know who you are that's i think a big part of what they're doing with their outfits like look at how annoyed joan walsh was that ivanka trump was sitting in on a what is un meeting or something i don't know why yeah like she has the anyway trump wants her to like sit in on everything okay but she was like at a un meeting something very 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 high level very important and joan walsh was annoyed that she was sitting there in a little girl's dress that's pink with big bows yeah which i mean is obviously setting aside how stupid of a criticism like there's so many things to criticize ivanka on but that's what she chose to criticize she was annoyed by the clothes she's wearing because joan walsh is a pantsuit feminist she is of the generation that believes you subvert your femininity in order to be taken seriously at the table you actually have someone here even in this article saying uh, how they believe that no woman should wear stilettos to work because you're signaling the wrong thing and yeah in the quote in the article it's like a scientist or something right and yeah she's like, it's like you if should... you want to be taken seriously yes yeah. you can never wear heels and be taken seriously yeah. yeah because what you're sending out is basically a signal like i'm ready to fuck as if the idea that yeah. a woman enjoys having sex and can be competent yeah. is mutually exclusive but here you have someone who i'm sure considers herself a feminist john walsh was so mad annoyed that Ivanka Trump is wearing a pink dress with bows on it because that's not how you are to dress to be taken seriously yeah and she thinks that's a feminist point of view somehow yeah and I mean the guy even tried to help her out he's like do you want to walk that back because you you can't be a strong woman and wear pink and she's like I know I'm gonna get hate on Twitter but I don't care that's that's what it is yeah yeah. Okay, I guess if that's she was the like, I don't care. Hell, you, you want to die? On. You can't sit there with world leaders with pink bows yeah. on your sleeves. And it's like, well, why not? Right? Yeah. Because of essentialism, because of sexism. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and the instead of opposing that, you're arguing that um, Ivanka needs to adhere conform. To it yeah. 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 Which is funny when Ivanka's conforming to it a different way. One other sentence I want to say real quick before we kind of move into this next part I wanted to talk about. It's this. Uh, article the author writes so sure are they of their footing that the trump women rare political mountain goats never even look down for obstacles that might break up their gait or send them sprawling and i just think that's rare political mountain goats is like an excellent phrase Uh, the author she's talking about them not looking for like cracks in the sidewalk or stones or anything that they have to avoid yeah like we talked about their supreme confidence in wearing these shoes yes they could walk straight up a cliff face in high heels in fact I mean they scale like those little stairs that are like the stairs that lead up to their private planes Mm -hmm. yeah like which do have holes and shit in them like how they navigate that is surprising and confusing yeah uh, I want to say part of the like aesthetic of Ivanka and Melania, maybe it's just me, but it seems like, and you don't notice it when it's just pictures, but when you see a video, it seems like they are like exceedingly stiff. Yeah. 
Yeah. And they sit very erect. Like, oh, I know. Yeah. Like everyone on TV, but... But they sit erect, you know, erect, like straight up. Yeah. Uh, as, with perfect posture. Yeah. As if, like, a nun's going to come hit them with a ruler if they don't, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But that is about, you know, why do you sit with your back straight? Because it thrusts your breasts out. Like, I mean, there yeah. is another sexualizing aspect to how they move, basically. Yeah. But also, you know, men and boys are supposed to sit straight, too. It's part of having, like, yeah, good manners. Yeah, because it also makes you and, look tall and strong. Yeah. Like, that's also about and, looking appealing to the opposite sex. And because you're adhering just to a social code, any social code, it's supposed to make you look classy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It really, like, I try not to psychologize, like, the Trump's home life or anything, but, like, when you see that stuff, it really feels like, is he just, like, super critical behind closed doors if they don't wear the right thing or walk the right way or sit in a chair the right way? I mean, he called Rosie O'Donnell a fat pig or Mm a fat, I don't know, something like that. Like, so what was that attack about? It was just that she doesn't adhere to... What a woman is supposed, supposed to, to look like. Yeah. When he insulted Megan Kelly, he said she's bleeding out of her eyes, out of her, you know what? But okay. he didn't. He didn't attack the way she looks right. at all he because yeah. she conforms to how he thinks women should look. She's skinny. She wears high heels. She wears short skirts. She was on Fox News, like blonde, mm-hmm. like all yeah, all the things a, that he thinks is like how a woman should look. So he couldn't attack her on that. That's that a really cool point. Him. That's a really cool point. He attacked Megan Kelly for being a woman and he attacked Rosie O'Donnell for not being a woman. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Yeah. 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 Okay, so then there's one last thing I kind of wanted us to touch on uh using this article as like a little bit of a segue into it mm-hmm. um so we were on twitter you were on twitter well, there's, yeah so aisha Siddiqui. i don't know if i'm saying her name correctly but i think i am she's like a writer and editor mostly at the new inquiry yeah so she's been working on something um she calls bush era redux and she did ask very specifically that if you talk about it or use yes. it or whatever you mention her name <laughs> so here we are girl we're giving you your props <laughs> don't sue us but we wanted to talk about it, too, mm-hmm. because it was something that we had actually kind of noticed a little bit amongst ourselves, I think. Um, but then she had tweeted so many examples. I don't that know if really we noticed it in it. fashion. I we had must, noticed okay. it in fashion because I can't believe, like, how much of the stuff that I wore in the, ni- in the yeah. well, in the 90s. But then now in the early 2000s, um, stuff that I wore is starting to come back to the point where I was asking my mom, like, like handkerchief tops are becoming a really big thing again. And I like tweeted my mom in the middle of the night recently being like, <laughs> where is that handkerchief top that I used to wear? Especially, okay, can I just tell you about this mm-hmm. top? It basically looked like the, you know, like the windows background that's just like clouds. Yeah. Yeah, it, it looks like that. And, and then as if they put kind of like realistic butterflies over that. Oh, wow. That it's like be, super. That'd be ironically perfect. I know. Yeah. It's like, where is that top? Like, But anyway, I was completely obsessed with it. I have a ton of pictures with it. And I'm like very desperately currently digging through my old closet, like trying to find mm-hmm. it because it's 
coming into vogue like all these girls that are like trendsetters whatever on instagram like you know bella hadid and kiara Ferragami or whatever her name is are like wearing handkerchief tops now yeah. so i had started to notice this in fashion you're gonna big freak time. out if they have a windows background clouds with butterflies i'm gonna, gonna talk about shit. it for days i'm gonna lose my shit <laughs> they be like, i was theirs. there yeah. <laughs> i was there first i had that it's it's here somewhere in this house in <laughs> yeah. storage yeah um I had that horrible orange, synthetic orange color came back. Yeah. So that, yeah, I had some, like, cargo pants that were in, like, a synthetic fabric with that horrible orange color, and it was reversible, so, like, that was on the inside. So it was, like, a very bright, garish orange. Yeah, but not as bright as a construction cone. Like, even worse, it's a bit browner, Mm. you know? Mm -hmm. And, yeah, it, like, zipped off at the knee... And the idea that people are going to, like, buy something like that again is just ridiculous to me. Um, yeah, I mean... When you're 14, you're allowed to buy something like that. <laughs> I mean, they probably are. Like, she points out that, you know, a lot of that probably came into vogue because of literally the Guantanamo prisoners, you know, jumpsuits that they were wearing. You know, another thing that I remember being a huge thing was cargo pants. Mm-hmm. And camo, yeah. because we were in the wars, and they made military fashion cool. Yeah. I remember having a pair of cargo pants from Abercrombie that had like a satin sash as like a belt mm. to make them, you know, like military. Oh, yeah. It's like, always cool to like soften the edges, yeah, or something make super it more femme, like, yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, we're talking about we're gearing up the Cold War, so I wouldn't be surprised if like we get back into camo and cargo and this kind of utilitarian mm-hmm. military style gear yeah. um, as part of fashion. So Aisha Siddiqui has these examples of um, that kind of orange cone, very bright orange, red coming back into style. Um, she has like shots from basically a lot of fall fashion designers like Fenty and Puma for 2017 or Balenciaga's Fallwear for 2017. Um, and that color is just all over the new stuff. Um, I also saw Harper's Bazaar uh, magazine tweeting, I think it was just today, um, are you ready to wear low-cut jeans again? And they have, like, pictures of women, like, famous women wearing low-cut jeans in the early 2000s, and then they have a picture of Bella Hadid wearing low-cut jeans, like, I don't know, yesterday or whatever. Yeah. So they're... uh, Just another example of how we're getting this Bush-era redux. Um, And we also read a different article that I think maybe partially made me pay a little more attention to what's going on with the changes in fashion. You know, we've talked before about how we feel like nothing's changed in fashion since we Mm -hmm. were in college. But if you look at it in terms of politics, that makes a lot of sense because Obama's been in power since we were in college, you know? And now it looks like we're having a shift in fashion that's a response to these changing political times. Um, So we read that article, I forget what it was called or who it was even by, but it talked about like, um, like Vetements is like this, that means clothes in French. It's this French clothing line made by like a rich kid that um, sells like, like Carhartt gear and stuff Mm -hmm. that looks like uh, you're like a construction worker or whatever to other rich kids. There's another one that's called... um, Oh, shit. What is it called? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So Vetmon actually had 
um, a line of DHL <laughs> t-shirts that literally look, I mean, they're yellow. It says yeah. DHL. It literally looks like you work for the company. But they cost like 250 bucks. Yeah. And I guess in some way the joke is that you, uh, you would have a job. <laughs> you would, <laughs> you know, work a low wage job like that. Oh yeah. Uh, the other label I was thinking of is, um, oh, Enfant yeah. Riche Deprime. Uh, de- Enfant Riche Deprime. Might be just Deprime. Oh, sorry. I don't know. Uh, this just doesn't have any accents. Yeah, it's hard to... Okay, but basically it means it's French for depressed rich kids, yeah. right? And the stuff that they sell is, like, so weird. I think... Didn't he, he sell, a like, link. a noose? Yeah, it says a cashmere noose for $7,000. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then they also talk about, like, what's been coming out of, like, Gucci and stuff lately... When you read about that designer who does uh, Enfant... How would you say it? Enfant Laid de Prime? I think it's... Les Enfants de Prime? Les Enfants Riche de Prime? Yeah. Rich... Uh, depressed kids. Depressed kids. When you read his interview, he's like, I don't make fashion yeah, to be bought. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's it's why... like, I don't so care much. if it's... All, yeah, because you're rich. Yeah. Like... Yeah. Um, uh, what was that Gucci shoe they were talking about i've seen like yeah. lisa rinna and stuff like famous people wearing it um oh yeah it's a loafer made with kangaroo fur you've got to look this up you should yeah. really look up a lot of this fashion stuff we're yeah. talking about to really get a good sense of it but um it looks like a loafer that's been stuffed with like a tuft of trump's hair yeah, you know, it it's really hard to deny that it just will like trigger Trump in your yeah. brain. It's like kind of an open back, right? Yeah, spilling over with like ugly fur. Yeah, and then they have like a full kangaroo one that is just—it literally looks like you're just wearing slippers that are Trump yeah. toupee pieces. So much of this fashion looks like abnormal growths. <laughs> yeah, and they also just talk about like how um, a lot of like that kind of like big suits of like the 80s and stuff like that are coming making a comeback right yeah and um so it's interesting because it's like is it's this is actually the first thing before i saw the aisha Siddiqui stuff that got me really thinking about it but it's like it's not it's trump is like leading to bush era redux but also even past that to um like you know reagan redux or whatever right like there's a lot of this article points out a lot of 80s stuff that's coming back and um although that you know these are fashions that were designed pre-trump basically so that might change uh they're not they're designed like within a year so they might be have been a little bit pre-trump but they definitely were influenced by the election and the fact that this was a figure in our culture that was like undeniable oh definitely i mean like pre-trump win pre-trump presidency yeah i think it will look more like bush era fashion post post inauguration day oh one other thing he points out maximalism uh, was likely due for a comeback after the industry went through a gray period mm-hmm. throughout the late 2000s to 2014 or so. But the timing of its return lines up a little too well with the man who's the embodiment of everything that's wrong with the 80s getting elected president. You didn't say what you're reading. Oh, this Jacobin piece. Yeah. Uh, it's called Crimes Against Design. Yeah. Um, is this where we read a lot about gray and how... 
Probably. Yeah, like how important of a color it was for a long time, but now it's like it's, probably going to fall out. It's of still favor. important to me. It will always be important to okay. me. Okay. Yeah, when I met you, you wore like only gray. It's it was an accident, you know. Like you buy a new hoodie, <laughs> I want the gray one. You buy jeans, I want gray jeans. You wore a lot of gray. Yeah. Um, it also talks about Kellyanne Conway, who rocked one of uh, says Michelle's. I'm not sure. Isn't that that bad boy designer that gets in trouble? Oh well, it's it's I don't know what that means. You don't know <laughs> what I mean? Yeah, it's uh. Alessandra Michelle's debut at Gucci in January 15. It says, following the ugly chain of garish maximalism all the way back takes us to the creative director Alessandra Michelle's debut at Gucci in January 2015. You've probably heard of Gucci, but maybe not of Alessandra Michelle. Michelle was promoted from accessories director to heading the entire label, which was desperately in need of someone to shake things up after years of looking somehow trashy and boring at the same time. Again, I really recommend you look up this article or look <laughs> up this, this time period we're talking about because the clues are hideous. Yeah. And I totally remember thinking, uh, yeah, I don't understand what Gucci is no. doing. Calling it trashy and boring at the same time nails it. It's like a lot from of browns and What's reds. supposed to be like the premier luxury label. Yeah. Um, Michelle did more or less exactly what he was paid to do. His first big move was to take Gucci's signature loafer, chop off the back, and fill it with kangaroo fur, which is what we were talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, At first, things weren't all bad. Michelle showed a willingness towards gender neutrality and racial diversity in his shows, and the colors were a nice break from minimalist tedium. Uh, So you can imagine, oh, gender neutrality, racial diversity, sounds like the Obama years, you know, like more along those lines. Uh, but then things got a little weird as we moved into the Trump administration. Kellyanne Conway rocked one of Michelle's coats to the inauguration, mm-hmm. which she described as Trump revolutionary chic. Yeah, so this was the like blue jacket with heavy red trim, right? It looks colonial era. It, but like a like a cartoon. Yeah. I mean, it's really out of like and again, and she wore like red leather gloves with it and a red, yeah. um, like one of those nineteen forties hats. What are they called? Those little rounded ones that was that used a pillbox? Pillbox hat? Uh, I think you have a pillbox purse. I don't think you have a pillbox hat. We don't know. Okay. We're not like fashion. We don't know anything about really. the nineteen forties, especially. But the point is, you should again look this up. It was like. I mean, yeah, even now when I think about it's it, so you've heard funny. me just, like, try to find the words. To it's so funny that everybody was bashing her fashion, but actually she was, like, right on trend, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's the fashion that suddenly yeah. took a huge swing, just like the nation. Yeah. So, yeah, it's talking about how, at first, uh, the Gucci shows got a lot brighter, patterns clashed harder, uh, and then the clothing went out from went from standout pieces you could feasibly work into your wardrobe at a normal person job to the completely unwearable. Borat's mankini showed up, and again, there's a link there. You should click to it. It's mm-hmm. hilarious that this is something that you're supposed to buy, yeah. and that isn't like a comedian's prop, basically. Or even that you're supposed to buy like aspirationally, you know, in like an imaginary realm where. Because, like, obviously fashion is a fantasy when it's on the runway. Yeah. But there's still this pretension of, like, I don't know, this being something that people wear. But then, to even in that way, to put somebody in a mankini is, like, I don't know, ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, I love this line. The fuck you factor of the clothing was ratcheted up a great deal. Gucci's red-green stripe used to be tiny, subtle, yet still annoying. 
uh, indicator of affluence. Now it's plastered across the front of suits and shoes. Mm. Um, and That's I think very that, Bush era. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We talked a lot, I remember, during the Bush years about how everybody wore clothes that mm. were branded, right? Yeah. Abercrombie and Fitch, every t-shirt said A&F, Abercrombie and Fitch, you know. Yeah. Hollister, same thing. Granted, those are like basically the same company. But... And all the bags, is it Louis Vuitton? That puts yeah. The LV, like the print for Louis Vuitton and Coach, like their logo just Or Dooney Burke. Same thing. Yeah. Um, Dior used to have the saddle bag that was like really popular when we were in high school. <laughs> I had one. <laughs> uh, no. But um, it uh, it said like CD as like kind of the like as part of the strap, there was like a metal detail that said CD for Christian Dior. And then um, it also they created like a pattern that was like CD, 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 CD for it. Um, yeah, there was a lot, like every, like even really high-end fashion was just like, wear this billboard, Yeah, you know? Yeah. Uh, but I love that idea of the, the fuck you factor is ratcheted up because I think that that's really probably the thrust of this article and maybe yeah. the point of all of this anyway, which is that whether it's about, you know, wearing a DHL shirt because it's hilarious to you or... To troll. Like yeah, that. or like I've heard about Micro getting pissed off about a pair of jeans at Nordstrom that cost like $400 because they look like workmen's jeans. They're like super, super... I mean, it's not new that people buy jeans that are distressed, mm-hmm. but these are like legit look like well, the you might pick someone up for, in front of Home Depot that's going to help you like I lay your roofing Bush or whatever. Air. I guess that's Bush Air in a way because we had the uh, carpenter jeans. Carpenter jeans. But also sandblasted. Like that wash was really popular. Mm. Um, like the idea being right when where do you get sandblasted doing manual labor right? yeah. like but yeah all of this seems like a big fuck you ultimately to the pores like instead of trying to hide or deny the inequality or make it about oh gender neutrality or okay. racial diversity now it's like no this is we just elected a billionaire to be who who is famous for being rich yeah or and performing his yeah, uh, richness well, yeah. to be the leader of the free world. What's the point of h- hiding this under some veneer? No, we're luxury brands and we're going to throw it in your face that you can't afford this clothing if you're not one of us. You, Your little lives look funny to us. Yeah. And we're going to make it clear that we're wearing, if we're wearing these clothes, we're going to have a billboard that basically says, I'm richer than you, bitch. Like, yeah. so... I think that's really an interesting aspect of all of this too, and it's an interesting aspect, kind of tying back to the shoes that they that like they talk about Melania wearing. It's like Bush or Redux in the sense that the only shoes she like wears are like Manolo Blahniks and Louboutins, both made famous by like Sex and the City, yeah. and both are pretty easy to spot. Manolo Blahniks maybe a little bit less so because they can they're, get like really creative. They're conspicuous. But Louboutins have a red heel. I mean, that's yeah. what you can see them. Like, again, it's like wearing a billboard. Hey, I'm wearing a $3,000 pair of shoes there was at, a scene at minimum. In the bold type where all three of them had them on. Yeah, which is like absurd. Yeah. I mean, truly, truly absurd. But. Especially when they're complaining about money issues, supposedly. In yeah. Two, like two episodes. Yeah. Maybe they were supposed to be knockoffs. They would have to be in real yeah. life. Because um, these are very expensive shoes we're talking about. They but it is yeah. like a fuck you. Like when Michelle Obama got into the White House, I remember them talking about how, oh, she and her girls were wearing like J. Crew to the Easter egg hunt at the White House. And everyone like that I knew, you know, especially like around where we lived was like, oh, that's what we wear, J. Crew. You know, like it's so nice. Mm-hmm. She's just like us, right? This is like, no, fuck you. You can't it's, touch these shoes. Yeah, true. You know? Yeah. 
So the difference is just being amplified and being made very stark and clear, again, by what they're wearing. They're telegraphing to you, yeah. you know, who they are, what they believe. Oh, you just come from the nicest suburb in your state, possibly? Well, you're not good enough for us. No. Unless can't. it's like Connecticut or New York. Yeah. You might be able to buy one pair of these for, like, your wedding if you save all your money, you know? <laughs> but you'll never be able to buy 22 pairs for yeah. what before you go somewhere that means she owns more than that right like so but trump is frugal you know he doesn't want to allow transgender people in the military because oh yeah it very just costs, you know he's trying to cut costs because it costs a fraction of what it costs for his security detail yeah. flying back and forth to mar-a-lago <laughs> yeah he was happy about the diplomats being kicked out of russia could save some money you know? yeah when you when you're good at saving your money you can buy 22 pairs of louboutins yeah right yeah, so, I mean, all of this to say, like, I don't know. You said we're not, whatever, fashionable. We don't know that much about it. But I love fashion. Mm-hmm. I love wearing clothes. I love getting dressed up. I love shoes. I love jewelry. Like, I do think about what I'm wearing says. Yeah. And not even just, just, like, mean... what it says about me. More like I want to have fun with it. So there's, like, a little, th- if you were paying attention, you'd see there's, like, a little theme in today's outfit because I, it is, like, a form of artistic expression to me, the same as, like, when I put on makeup. Like, yeah. I like doing it, and I think about it, and I do see it as, like, a form of expression that I think is worthwhile. Yeah. I like fashion because I watched Project Runway growing up. Yeah. And also, like, sewing. But um, I just meant we don't keep up with, like, the blogs or... No. Stuff. No. Or the magazines, I mean. So definitely I'm not, like, discouraging people from, like, being interested in style or, you know, engaging in whatever the new style trends are or style is in general. But I think that it would be a mistake to only see it as an artistic expression and to not see politics in fashion. Yeah. There's a lot of other politics in fashion we could talk about, and maybe we will some other time, like, obviously, like, the way who's making the clothes... You know, stuff like that. But we're but, talking, like, politics of aesthetics. Yeah. Which yeah, is, today. I like doing that. I like yeah. talking about that. Even when we talk about TV, sometimes we do that. Yeah. We also talk about the aesthetics of politics. Yeah, we're all over we this. We have a new tagline. This is our beat. Lines. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I think we'll wrap it up there. Sorry if the first part of this podcast is a little depressing or rambly. We don't Mm -hmm. normally just rant, but like I said, we really needed to decompress because this was a really heavy weekend and we were like really, really deeply saddened, which is why we then tried to pick a little bit of a lighter topic. Um, Although, like, but we managed to make it as as serious and and political as possible. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, If you don't like that, you probably shouldn't listen to us because that's (laughs) what we always do. Okay, so it's just me wrapping this up. It's just Lubitsa because our SD card (laughs) died right at the very end. Thank goodness it didn't die earlier. Anyway, we just wanted to say that we hope you enjoyed the show. If you like it, please consider subscribing on iTunes, following us on SoundCloud, tweeting us, or finding us on Facebook, all at Cold Pizza Party. Or just, you know, tell your friends. That's really cool, too. I'm totally fine with that we are not really like tracking online engagements or anything weird like that so uh we don't really care um but you know it'd be cool for more people to listen to this we're not i mean we're happy making this show we'd probably make it either way just because we would be having these conversations either way and 
recording them is nice and having a record of them is nice and having an incentive to actually prepare for some conversations instead of just bullshitting between ourselves is pretty nice too so that's it hope you enjoyed the show thanks for listening bye